Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. You probably heard parents of children and some people as well living with eating disorders. They're taken to the streets today of Dublin. It's part of a peaceful protest. They want to, to march as well, but they're really looking for reform of eating disorder services in this country. They just want better services. And our own Sheila Nochthan is at the protest today. Sheila, you have an experience of this. Yeah, so I have to say it's very strange. Usually when I'm reporting on something like this, you know, I'm learning while I report. But this time, unfortunately, I am not learning because I'm hearing the same story and issues that I faced five years ago. So I've been in recovery from anorexia for five years now. And I'm sure, as you'll probably hear from other contributors, there are years that go by where you don't know you're sick. So I was probably, we think I was sick possibly or showing signs from the age of seven. But because there is this lack of understanding of eating disorders and sadly so many roadblocks that you meet when you express that you might have an issue with food, you often don't get the help in time, it's hard to access and like many of these families today you end up feeling hopeless and like maybe you will never recover. So yeah, my experience started when I was about 22, 23, you know, when I realised I was sick. But I mean, it it started long before that and it was a struggle to get help. So when you knew or or recognised, Sheila, um, about your issue at the age of 22, 23, what did you do? What can you do? Yeah, um, that's that's it. You you don't really know because something to point out and, and people who've had an eating disorder and experience with it will understand this. You don't actually believe that you're sick. You think that you're being dramatic and anybody who points it out to you is being too dramatic. You also don't really want it taken away from you. So I felt like I was nothing without this eating disorder because at that time in my life, I felt really unworthy. I felt like I didn't have anything else going for me other than being the smallest in the room, the sickest in the room. So part of you wants help, but you also don't. So you kind of need someone to stand in, but you're also really reluctant to really ask for that help. So I think I started to put little feelers out at about 22. I sent a photo to my parents and I remember my dad, he said he didn't recognise me in the photo. And so they asked my sister to come and visit me where I was living in Dublin. And eventually as time went on and I would mention things like, oh, my tummy feels a bit sick. Oh, I don't think I can go to work. They held an intervention. They took the control out of my hands and brought me back home to Wicklow. So I somewhat asked for help, but then it also, I had to have an intervention. And then you go through the formal process of GPs, etc. Yeah. Talk me through that process, though, Sheila. Like, what what is the what is the uh, the route? Yeah, so it, it can be easier or harder for some people, depending. Um, I I always say I was lucky to have that. My parents, sorry, not me, had had health insurance. But then again, we shouldn't be lucky to get services. But anyway, so I went to my GP. I said I thought I had a problem, and he gave me a referral letter. Uh, that referral letter, because I was an adult, I had to give it on myself. So I hid it in my drawer and didn't do it. The one thing, if you're a child or going into camps, at least your parents can take that control away from you. Um, so then I had to, eventually I gave the referral letter on to the place that I was going to be going, uh, the facility that was going to help me. And then it was just waiting. So they said, okay, you'll get an assessment. That won't, so just to give you a timeline, Mm. that was in May of 2017. And so I, and I had health insurance, um, May of 2017. And they said, okay, so your appointment is October 2017. Now, 
at, at that stage, I was very sick. I, I could hardly walk up the stairs. I couldn't bend down to tie my shoelaces anymore. I was too weak. I was couldn't work anymore. I had no social life. So I was I needed help yesterday at that point, yeah. but I was going to have to wait till October. So we said, OK, well, we'll hold on for that appointment. And eventually my dad rang and said, if, if, if she doesn't get an appointment sooner, I'm not going to have a daughter to bring to you. And that was when we got an appointment in August. And when I went to that, they decide what your treatment process is going to be, whether you're an outpatient, day services um, or inpatient. And they told me I would be inpatient. But again, I'd have to wait. So you went and, and you you went through that, um, the, the, ex, the experience of actually, you know, living with our, our treatment services. How was that, Sheila? Um, mixed. So uh, I know that inpatient care can, and I think it's useful when someone like me was very medically unwell, but there's so many things that are wrong with it. And it, it, it makes me sad to have to say this because I don't think it's the nurse's fault. I don't think it's the facility's fault. I think that I went in there and I know I get this, I always tell the story. I was standing at the top of the stairs, having been restricting food for years. And the nurse turned to me and said, do you want a sandwich or couscous? And I mean, I, I remember my, my face dropped. I thought, I can't do this. I wasn't prepared for it. And I thought the approach was all wrong. And my dad got told, you have to leave. And he walked down the stairs and cried. And I remember just thinking, is this place going to help or, or is it always going to be like this? And unfortunately, a lot of the time, there's a lack of understanding because there's not specialist training. And I, Stephen Donnelly, he mentioned this morning, he was on um, with breakfast mm. and he said, they're hiring more consultants. Again, not the consultant's fault, but my experience with my consultant was, she was someone I met once a week. She didn't know me. She read my file, which a lot of the time the nurses said, Sheila, how are you doing so I can write it down in my notes? So nothing was actually on how I would respond to treatment. None of it was individualised. It was all, Sheila, we've read this about you, so this is now what you have to do. Sheila, you didn't comply this week. That's bold. You're not getting time out at the weekend. So I don't know if just bringing in more consultants solves the problem. Okay. Um, because sometimes there was just gaps in how it's tailored when you're in there. And then obviously you go to outpatient care and things like that. And again, there's challenges with that because you're taken out of your bubble of hospital and they say, OK, now do it by yourself. And family who have no experience in mental health um, uh, treatment at all, mm. you support that person. You're very on your own, Jill, are you? Um, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And even now, like I'm five years in, I I kept saying to people today that I met that whose maybe children were at a, an earlier stage than I am, that you don't have to have the title of recovered to be happy. I'm very happy. I feel safe. Yeah. I know I'm, I, but I have no help now. I was discharged from services. If I have down days, if, if I have a little mini relapse, if I have a slip, it's on me to try and find help again. And only if I get very bad will I get access to state services route. again. Yeah. yeah. Su- Susan's listening um, here as well, Sheila. Su- Susan's on the line because y- your daughter ended up having to go to the UK for treatment, Susan. Hi, Andrea. Yes, that's correct. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying, I suppose, that like I'm just a normal mum just like a lot of the other yeah. mums that are dealing with this situation. And I feel like I was cap- catapulted into a world of an eating disorder world where there's lack of services and 
the, you just have to learn a, a new language. You're, you're, you know, all of a sudden learning about water court, uh, court orders, NG feeding, you know, um, just complete lack of services, really. And that's what led to our daughter um, having to go to the UK. She's been in the UK hospital now um, for five years. So, and, and was that really sorry? Five years, nothing has changed. Just to explain that, was that due to the wait time or lack of or lack of actual spaces, services like? Well, there are no uh, eating disorder beds for adults in Ireland currently. There's three beds for St Vincent's, um, but that's for that catchment area only. So when you have somebody that needs um, the treatment that's required for eating disorders, which is NG feeding and therapeutic and psychiatry um, help, that's just not here in Ireland. Um, so therefore then um, you have to go to the UK and you know um, we had a meeting with the minister recently and with the board of the NCEP and in the model of care um, that they're working on at the moment even when that's completed and everything's um, uh, worked on there still would be no eating disorder beds for uh, adults in Ireland, um, except for St. Vincent's Hospital, which has three, but you have to be in that catchment area. And, you know, in the five years that my daughter has been to the UK, nothing has changed with that regard. So if you don't um, live in, if you don't live in the catchment of St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, mm-hmm. there'll, be, there'll be no bed on the island no. for any adult with an eating disorder? There's a bed, but it's either you're in a general ward if you're medically unwell, but you don't have any eating disorder support um, or, you know, anybody that understands the eating disorder. So really you're being kept alive or NG fed or, you know, your vitals are monitored in a medical ward or you're in a psychiatric ward where they can't monitor you medically, um, only mentally. So that happened with us. Our daughter was in CAMS under 18 and then transitioning from under 18 to over 18 was horrific. Um, there's just nothing in the adult mental health services outpatient to help people with eating disorders. Um, then if you have to go to hospital, you go in through A&E. Most of the time you're being told, the person is being told that they're they're not ill enough, they're not, uh, not bad enough. the BMI isn't low enough, their vitals aren't bad enough, so they send, they're being sent home. So, But if you are um, admitted at A&E, then the choice is either are you medically unwell that you go to the general ward or are you psychiatrically unwell that you go to the you know psychiatric ward and that's happened with us for our 18 year old and it was absolutely horrific. She just turned 18, there was no services, she relapsed, went um, into the psych- local psychiatric hospital and it's so traumatic, you know, um, so and then the private hospitals, if you're lucky enough to have private health insurance the private hospitals don't do NG feeding. So this is tube feeding, isn't it, Susan? Tube that feeding, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, so tube, tube feeding is is what the, the uh, you know, the treatment is mm-hmm. for eating disorders. And in the UK, here in Ireland, to be NG fed, you need to be made water course because you have to be shown to lack capacity. And, you know, our daughter nearly died while we were waiting for a water court to come through. And, you know, with ward of court, then the judge is saying to the HSC, this person needs treatment. You know, they need to go to the UK or, you know, 
they, they, they need, you know, help. Um, other than that, there's so many parents in our group that are just, you know, left with no services whatsoever. You know, and there's, there's lots, I know lots of parents and uh, sufferers that are in the UK as well. It's not just our daughter. No. You know, I'm speaking on behalf of all of the um, parents. And I group, appreciate that, Susan. Outpatients or inpatients. It's not, it's not an easy story, for, you know, for you to come on and, and, and share with the nation today. And I, I appreciate you doing that. Your daughter was, was she 17, did you say, when... When this yeah, so she was 17, um, between the ages of 16 and 17, we had her at the GP with different issues, um, but it was never picked up. Um, and then eventually we had a referral to CAMS outpatient, but they didn't have the services required. So she went to CAMS inpatient and she was NG-fed there, NG fed there and um turned 18 and was discharged because they've nowhere to send you when you turn 18. And now she's in and the UK. And that's when, and now she's in the UK. And that's our journey. How and she, our Susan? journey is not. Yeah, she's doing better. Um, now she is has severe anorexia. So, um, you know, other people in the group, they're, you know, having issues with outpatients. You know, most of the CAMs or adult mental health uh, services don't have dietitians, don't have therapists. You know, we were told uh, our daughter was in CAMS having therapy two times a week, three times a week, had a dietitian, um, was being NG-fed, to being discharged to adult services and being told You've that a therapy session would take six months on a waiting list, you know, and no dietitian. And I said five psychiatrists telling us he'd never dealt with a, uh, somebody with an eating right. disorder before. And can, so it's can, just horrific. It's, it absolutely is. I, I really feel for you, Susan, listening you know, to you today and, and, and hearing Sheila's story as well. And I, I know of Sheila's story, obviously, you know, too, too from just knowing Sheila from, from work. But it, like, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So are, are you over and back, Susan, then to the, to the UK, to your daughter all the time if she's there five years? Went to uh, the first year she was in the UK, she was in a hospital and we were having to go over every weekend um, during COVID. We were going back and forth. We were allowed to go to visit. Um, it's just, it's a strain on everybody in the family, you know. And it's we often say that an eating disorder in a family is like a grenade going off. It's just not the person that's suffering or the parents. It's the siblings. It's the, you know, the other members of the family. Um, you know, but what angers me the most is that nothing is changing. We've had meetings with the minister. We've had um, min- uh, meetings with the board of the model of care, um, NCEP. And um, I, I posed a question to them, you know, if everything was achieved on this model of care, would there be beds for adults in Ireland outside of St. Vincent's Hospital? And the answer is no, there wouldn't be. So that's if everything and all the funding, okay. there's, you know, there was uh, no funding this year. The previous year, the funding wasn't even spent. And, you know, there's all these children and adults suffering. And as you said, the, 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 the heartache then for, for, for not just your, your daughter, Susan, but your, you know, your, your entire family and, and, and over and back to the UK as well as part of this. Frida's on the line as well, Susan. Frida's been, been listening to you and, and Sheila. Um, what could change, Frida? Like, how could we improve the services? Well, I, I, I'm speaking about what, what's happening in Australia because that's where we are now. Um, they have a mental health care plan. You go to your GP, you get a mental health care plan. You're immediately given 10 sessions with a dietitian, 10 sessions with a 
psychologist and then after that you're reviewed again and you can get up to I think about 40 of those. It's subsidised by Medicare and then when you get to a certain level and it's it's like a means testing thing. So once you get to a certain level then then that's um, then it becomes cheaper um, once you've spent a certain amount. Um, the private healthcare you only have to be long to it for two months, um, and they waiver the the length because they say mental health conditions really need to be um, seen early. They don't mind if it's a pre-existing condition. Um, and this is all across so Australia, Frida, is it? I think so, but I um, I can okay. only. T- Talk about the state that I'm in, um, and, yeah, and and the and the care is is amazing. The um, the my daughter said if I had this before, I would have um, you know if I'd had this kind of care, I, I would be better by now. If I'd had this kind of care before, yeah, in Ireland, we had the same problems as everyone else. There's nothing after eighteen. Um, but you yeah. know the comparison. Anyway, yeah. You see, you're you're able. You you, you know from, um, from your own experience or previous experience, the the difference yeah. between the system and here and in Australia. Yeah, and there's eating disorder beds in every every major hospital here, and when you go into them, because she has been in there on, on the last visit, um, there's a nurse there twenty four seven to keep an eye to make sure that that they're managing everything, eating, and you know that they're there to help them through it and. Yeah, and they have NG tubes if need be. Yeah. The the, the protest um, it's on at the moment. I suppose it's not really so much a, a, a um, you know a, a protest up and down the streets, Sheila. But it's it's very much I suppose just to highlight the issues for people today. What 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 else is happening? to say, you know, when we talk about reform, we don't want to change, like if they're not calling for a change to the whole system, they're calling for the adequate um, uh, services within the system that we have, because uh, things that are promised, they aren't fulfilled. And, um, you know, like a lot of the signs today was like, we're watching our, our children die. And that is what it is. And, you know, it, uh, that I, my heart breaks for that that lady there who's in the UK because I know when my dad was watching me, he just said he was watching me turn into a corpse in front of him and there was nothing that he could do. So today, all these people want is just, they want clarity on how you access the services, clarity on what the plan is. So when you go to your GP and you go to mental health services, well, what then? And what is the timeline? And also, like, how do parents then support their young people? I mean, even for me, I mean, I was an adult, but I had to go home. So it's, it's a child of, of any age needs support. So all they want is clarity and just some sort of a plan and to make sure that the funding goes where it's okay. supposed to. Like, it's, I really, hearing them today and, and from my own experience, it really isn't asking too much. And if they, if they do consider this to be as big a problem as they say they do and that the government accepts it's a big problem, then I don't know why they can't just okay. allow the funding right. that's there to be allocated. Sheila Nathan, Frida and Susan, thank you all for, for joining us and for sharing your experience with us on the programme today. The email, if you want to do that, is lunchtimelive at newstalk.com. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.